I'm Kate Morthland, and thank you for joining us on The Council Covers It, a podcast created by the Illinois Life and Health Insurance Council. Insurance is paramount to the health and wellness of Illinois employers, citizens, and families alike. While critical, the world of insurance can also be daunting and difficult to comprehend. We seek to create understanding by wading through that confusion presented with life and health insurance policies and topics in Illinois. Join us as we dive into some of the state's most pressing insurance issues on The Council Covers It. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Council Covers It, a podcast dedicated to all things insurance in explain in a simple and digestible way. I'm your host, Kate Morthland, and today we will be talking about Medicaid redeterminations and the importance of protecting Medicaid and healthcare coverage services for consumers in Illinois. With us today, we have Samantha Oldsfry, Medicaid expert and chief executive officer of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans. How are you today, Sam? I am great. How are you, Kate? I'm doing great. Thank you for being on today. To give our listeners a little bit of background, um, Sam has has over a decade of experience in healthcare and public finance as executive director and chief executive officer of IMHEP. She is responsible for providing overall association leadership and strategic guidance, coordinating with health plans to bridge the gap between payers and providers, and working closely with state policymakers to formulate and implement policy that positively impacts Medicaid advisors. Um, Medicaid members. Prior to joining the association, Samantha was research and appropriation analyst for the Illinois House of Representatives, where she helped negotiate and craft the Medicaid Reform Act of 2010 and $2.7 billion Medicaid reform package known as the SMART Act of 2012 and the Medicaid Expansion Package authorized in the Affordable Care Act of 2013. You cannot keep Sam away from Medicaid. So Sam earned her bachelor's degree from economics from St. Louis University and her master's degree in public policy and administration from Northwestern University. Also fun fact, Sam was named to Forbes Magazine's 30 Under 30 for her work in public policy in 2015. Very impressive resume, Sam. We are very happy to have such an expert on to talk about this really important topic. So as um, just let's level set this conversation from a 10,000 foot high view, Um, the federal government during the COVID-19 public health emergency paused Medicaid redeterminations. And this is a qualification process to obtain Medicaid services. Now, after two years of a hiatus of this process, this will be in effect again. And I'm not even going to dive into that any bit more because we have our expert here. So we're going to really dig into this. But first, Sam, could you tell us a little bit about your um, association of Medicaid health plans? Yes. So thank you so much, Kate. And thank you for covering this critical topic. It's so important for Medicaid um, and all of us in this sort of Medicaid bubble, but really in all of healthcare. Um, and so the Association of Medicaid Health Plans, IMHIP, we serve uh, the entire industry of Medicaid health plans, serving nearly 3 million folks across all 102 counties in Illinois. Um, and we focus solely on 
Medicaid and the Medicaid coverage and Medicaid contract we have with the state of Illinois. So we have names that you guys are familiar with, like Aetna and Blue Cross and Humana um, and Meridian, which is Centene, which mm-hmm. is Celtic, um, and then Molina, of course, and County Care. So names that folks know, but what we focus on is solely Medicaid. And that's because Medicaid's different. It's unique, but it's also really big. And I think if you don't mind, I can just sort of level set for why Medicaid matters. Absolutely. Or, you know, our commercial coverage and sort of why this redetermination is going to impact all of us. Yes. And I think the first is the size of Medicaid. So today in Illinois, approximately 3.7 million of our neighbors, our community members, our friends, and our family rely on Medicaid for their healthcare safety net. Um, that means um, about half of the births in Illinois, half of those little babies taking their first breaths are supported by the Medicaid program. Wow. About a third of children. And Medicaid is the largest payer for long-term care and behavioral health care. So when you're talking about nursing homes or the opioid crisis, you really can't impact policy, health care outcomes, or protecting our most vulnerable without talking about Medicaid. And so that is, that's our program. Uh, it really is our safety net. And redeterminations, they are sort of a standard process, but we haven't done them since March of 2020. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot before us, a lot of folks um, and a lot of paperwork that we've just sort of got to get through and doing it well um, will will be a Herculean task. But I hope um, that with all of us in, we are up to the task before us. Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, Hugh, I, I didn't, I mean, I had an idea, but that when you gave the birth example, you guys have a huge footprint here in Illinois. And it's a huge responsibility now with this redetermination process. So can you kind of set the stage for us on what's happened on the federal level to cause states to kind of ramp up these campaigns to protect Medicaid coverage? Yes. So as we're all sort of starting this public health emergency unwinding, there are all these different pieces that are moving. And for us, the biggest one is what we call continuous coverage. And so during the public health emergency during the pandemic, we had continuous coverage, which meant that if you wanted federal matching dollars for the Medicaid program, which every state did, every state wants federal matching dollars, the the feds pay for 50 to up to 80% of the Medicaid program. So no one's leaving those dollars on the table. Right. So in order to get those federal dollars, you had to maintain coverage. You couldn't kick anybody off of Medicaid unless they passed away or left the state or became incarcerated. Those were the only three reasons you could remove coverage. But every other reason, people had to maintain coverage. And the idea was, hi, we're in a public health emergency. We don't want folks losing health care when things are going haywire. So we just need to keep coverage for everyone. And so the feds are unwinding that. And what that means is we've got to start a kick back up on redetermination. We have to go through and determine who is eligible and who isn't for Medicaid. Because again, unlike sort of other healthcare coverage, your eligibility is based off of your income. Um, and it varies based off of children, seniors and people with disabilities, and then adults. But that all has to be determined. There's a lot of paperwork to do it. It's actually much more difficult and cumbersome than if you are just um, going through your open enrollment period mm-hmm. or going through the exchange or even Medicare. It is a lot harder to get on Medicaid than any of those programs. There's a lot of paperwork for it. Okay. So because of that big task, the federal government and the state are really investing in campaigns to 
get the word out. Um, and then obviously the health plans as we're talking about it nonstop because it's a big deal and then providers as well. Okay, great. So you mentioned continuous enrollment. For our listeners kind of new to this issue, what can you explain continuous enrollment and like what redeterminations are? What kind of what is the process of someone that maybe signed up for Medicaid during the public health emergency if they've never done this before? So what does that really involve for someone? Oh, it's a lot. Yeah. you, first and foremost, it's important to note this isn't a cliff. It's not like so letters in Illinois start going out on May 1st, but they they continue for 12 months. So your individual redetermination date is somewhere from May. You know, you're going to get your letter somewhere from May 1st of 23 to um, April 1st of 24. So it's not all happening at once. There's not a cliff. But let's use May as an example. Let's say that, that you're you're in the first swath. So you're going to get a letter, like a paper in the mail letter to the address that HFS has on file. Now, remember, we haven't done this in three years. Right. So if you've moved, like, I don't know, it feels like half my Christmas card list (laughs) in the the last three years, we might have your wrong address. So if you're Mm -hmm. listening to this and you um, know somebody on Medicaid or or any, make sure they've updated their address. So this letter is going to come in the mail. And for the bulk of people, about 65% of people, they're going to actually have to fill out this information and then send it back in, or they can complete it online with um, a Manage My Case uh, account at illinois.abe. Um, and we can send you the the website to include in your blurb. Absolutely. Um, and that is the, the gold standard is to set up a Manage My Case account and to complete it online because then you're not worried about mail. Right. Mm-hmm. The second way you could complete the paperwork is actually by the phone, by calling the DHS call center and going through verbally and answering, and then they'll submit it at that point. The third is you get the paperwork and you fill it out. You provide your pay stubs. So you actually have to provide a month's worth of pay stubs uh, for redetermination. And you have to do that either any way you complete the form. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you sign it and you mail it back in. So you're going to get the letter approximately May 1st or so, depending on where you live and how your mail is functioning these days. Mm -hmm. You have to send it back in by June 1st. So you have one month to complete that process. Okay. Then it'll be, you have coverage through July, till July 1st. So you, you, they process it during that month of June and you will either keep your coverage because you're still eligible or if you're not eligible you will actually be get information about getting on to the exchange or other healthcare options. And what is new and exciting this year is the feds have actually opened up and allowed the Medicaid health plans to reach out to members who are no longer eligible and help them get onto the exchange oh, so wow. to, to reduce that coverage loss. So when people talk about what are they most worried about, I'm actually most buoyed and hopeful for the new freedom we have mm-hmm. to do outreach for folks who just aren't eligible for Medicaid anymore because they 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 got a raise or they got a new job and they're better off financially. Like that's great. Not only are they making more money, but we're now actually able to help them to get on the exchange and maintain coverage. So for those folks, I, I'm pretty optimistic for what that process could look like. What I'm most nervous about is those folks who just don't get their paperwork or who don't get it in on time. And that process can be kind of um, complex. 
So for those folks, it kind of lends me to my next question. And you mentioned that the federal government's doing this great outreach program. Illinois is doing this great outreach program. What are what is Illinois and the government doing here to ensure that redeterminations go smoothly without consumers losing that um, access to care? Yes. So we're doing a, a few things. And I think the state is going to publish hopefully very soon their full plan so that we can go through all of the details. They are going to do paid media. They, but um, they are going to do some grassroots stuff at the state level. They're doing some texting at the state level. Where I get excited is what all the plans are doing, um, the Medicaid health plans and how we're partnering with our providers and how the state is helping us in ways that we haven't had before. They're sending us supplemental information, so supplemental files mid-month, so we know who sent information in, who hasn't, so we can really sort of start to filter down our communication and focus on who's in, who's outstanding. Oh, that's great. So they are getting us as much information as they can, and we are sharing that with our provider community, mostly our primary care physicians, our clinics, um, but even some of our behavioral health providers, and of course, nursing homes, because again, we have a large nursing home population as well. So we are going to text, we are going to call, we are going to mail, we are going to email, we are going to knock on doors we are going to share all of this information with our providers as well and sharing that updated information. Like these people have already gotten their paperwork in. Don't focus on them. Focus on the ones who haven't, right? Like yeah. sort of like an old uh, get out the vote campaign, if you will. Exactly. But get your mail in. Um, <laughs> and so then we are having community events. We are partnering, like the plans are partnering with um, shelters, with food banks. Okay. Um, we are partnering with transportation providers. I mean, anyone we can think of to partner with, to get the word out, to help us get information in. Um, we are going to any educational event. Anybody like says, hey, you know, my church on Tuesday is doing, you know, something like somebody will be there. Like every everyone is trying to put as many boots on the ground as possible. They've hired vendors, um, often minority owned or women owned vendors. Um, we have people in the community that we employ that are going out. So we are trying every which way. And I always say, if you have an idea, <laughs> send it our way. Like we are really going to throw everything at the wall at this because of the number of folks at risk here. So we cover, you know, 3.7 million people. And the estimates are we're going to lose 13 to 17% of those folks are going to lose coverage in some fashion, lose Medicaid coverage. When you look at that, that's 500 to over 600,000 people. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of our neighbors. I mean, that's a lot of people losing healthcare coverage. And that's hard for us as health plans. I mean, that's that's a lot of membership that we have. Right. But what we're really worried about and what we've said time and time again is just because you don't have healthcare coverage doesn't mean you don't get sick. Mm -hmm. And so you're still going to go to emergency rooms. You're still going to go to hospitals. And what we know for sure is you'll still go to federally qualified health centers. And they are required to serve you with or without coverage. And so we're really worried about our safety net providers who are going to lose revenue because these folks no longer have coverage, but whose costs are not going to go proportionately down. And so that's going to put a strain on those providers, but it's going to put a strain on the system because we all, whether you have Medicaid or commercial insurance, you rely on those same hospitals, you rely on those same providers and if they're strained, on top of the strain we're already seeing with workforce yeah. shortages and just burnout and everything else, it really is a perfect storm. Yeah. No, that's really 
to go back to your statement in regards to like the innovative ways that you your plans are are reaching out to folks and trying to get to folks in different aspects of their lives that they would usually be at is just really neat. That's a that's very innovative, very creative, and I, I I can't imagine that you wouldn't see some success there on getting people enrolled and and, and the ability for you to be targeted. That's incredible. Um, so. I guess you you kind of explained a little bit of the hurdles, but what hurdles do you see um, or on behalf of the state or on behalf of your plans in in the immediate future, the next coming months? Yeah, so I think it, the biggest is this is hard. Mm-hmm. This is hard. People have moved. People, you know, their phone numbers change. Um, and there's a lot of paperwork to actually just process. Mm-hmm. So we historically... And HFS has published this number. We historically have lost about 50% of our membership to redetermination every month. Wow. Um, when when it was on. And I'll, and then about a 50% of that. So a quarter would come back. So we were just losing folks just because of paperwork, not because they didn't have cover, you know, they weren't eligible, but they just they didn't send it in on time. It wasn't processed on time. They had moved. They didn't realize it until they went to the doctor or the hospital or, you know, what, you know, they went to, pick, to the pharmacy. That's, you know, mm-hmm. most often. Um, and so it's very just sort of clunky and iterative mm-hmm. as a process. We're very paper reliant here in Illinois. We are hoping to have improved systems. We have seen improvement, um, but this is our first sort of go, you know, spin with it, if you will. Mm-hmm. And what HFS said in the budget, their budget hearing, was that they see actually the most amount of members have their redetermination dates in the summer. So not only is this a hard task, not only are we all a little rusty, we haven't done it for, you know, mm-hmm. since March of 2020, we're starting with the largest amount of members each month just because of how the enrollment shakes out. And so that is my you know, biggest concern is we don't get to start with like a training wheels on environment. We are starting off with hundreds of thousands of people. And so we can hope that we've done everything right, but we're just one piece of the puzzle. Um, you know, we have to make sure that the people send in their paperwork and that, that or call or get online. And then the folks processing that paperwork and the system processing that paperwork, people answering those phones, that all of that, like there's no break. And if there is a break, it's during the height and the most amount of people. So that's, that's the hurdle. That's what keeps me up at night. Mm-hmm. And absolutely. I mean, to your point, you, we, this is, I mean, COVID and what it has done to healthcare and even just to ramp up the protection, this is very novel. This is the first, it's unprecedented what we have been through as people and what we're going through, you know, as working in the healthcare space. It's now to unravel all this brings its own set of challenges. So I, um, we're all in this together, like you'd mentioned, and I'm just really excited to, you know, sit down with you today, talk to you about this because it's so incredibly important looking at the large footprint that that Medicaid plans have in the state and how many Illinoisans this is going to be effective by even looking at, you know, those that 
come out of Medicaid and, like you said, have had raises, had uh, are more financially stable, and they're able to get on commercial health plans. This will affect everyone. So, Sam, I just want to take a second and say we're also on a, on a third reading deadline today, and I know you're probably exhausted. And I just want to say thank you for your time and expertise to just come on here and give us a high level discussion about what's going on and 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 some of the hurdles and some of the opportunities we have in the future. No, thank you. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk about this. I have told everyone I will not miss an opportunity. I don't care if it's, you know, at midnight on third reading deadline. Thank goodness it is not, guys. Um, <laughs> but uh, that to talk about redeterminations because it's so critical for the people we serve. I mean, again, 3.7 million of our neighbors in all 102 counties, these folks rely on us to get this right. And so we're going to do our best. Yeah. So um, if if we have questions for you, Sarah listens, have questions for you, Sam, I know you have an excellent podcast, which I will share in the show notes as well. But how do you get, uh, how do we get a hold of you? Yes. Yeah, so our website, IAMHP.org, there's a contact us page. Um, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's our podcast, webinars, uh, toolkits, one of which will be a redetermination toolkit as well. Um, and then, of course, social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter, you know, the usuals. Awesome. Thank you, Sam. So remember us for ILIC to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Our Twitter handle is IL underscore LHIC. In order to stay up to date on all things life and health insurance, also make sure to subscribe to The Council Covers It so you don't miss an episode. Lastly, check out our website at www illic.com. Sam, it's been um, very informative. Thank you so, so much. And we will catch you next time on another episode of The Council Covers It. Thank you for joining us today. Feel free to subscribe and rate the podcast in order to stay up to date on episodes as we explore various life and health insurance policies and topics in Illinois. We hope you join us again on The Council Covers It.